Welcome to this episode of the Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth podcast. Greetings, I'm your host, Dr. Paul Felter. In this episode, we're going to ask the question, Is the church the bride of Christ? Now, I was taught from childhood, as you were too, probably, that the church, the body of Christ, is also the bride of Christ. Preachers and teachers refer to the church as the bride of Christ dogmatically, as a pillar of our Christian beliefs. I never seriously questioned the doctrine, even though I could find no scripture passage from Paul, our apostle, calling us the bride of Christ. In fact, the phrase bride of Christ is nowhere in the King James Bible. In Revelation chapter 19, we read the phrase marriage of the Lamb, Revelation 19, 7 through 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Interesting that just three verses later, the Lord leaves heaven on a white horse and comes to earth to rescue and redeem Israel, leaving us, the church, in heaven. Perhaps he's going to rescue the real bride, Israel. Revelation chapter 20 describes the bride, the Lamb's wife. Revelation 21, 9 and 10. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So the angel shows John the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven to the earth. The new Jerusalem has twelve gates for the twelve tribes of Israel. It has twelve foundations for the twelve apostles. Matthias replaced Judas Iscariot in Acts chapter 1. The twelve apostles are apostles to Israel, as they will sit on twelve thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. The apostle Paul is not numbered with the twelve, as he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Matthew 19 verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Clearly the new Jerusalem and the new earth will be the home of Israel, the Jews. The new Jerusalem descends to the new earth as this present earth is destroyed after the millennial kingdom of Christ. The earthly kingdom of Israel will resume once the new earth and the new Jerusalem arrive. When reviewing these passages, it's clear to me that everything is Jewish. I do not see any reference to the body of Christ. But Revelation 21 speaks of a new heaven also. Revelation 21, 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. The permanent abode of the body of Christ is heavenly places. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2, 6. And hath raised us up together 
and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.1 For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. While Israel gets a new earth and a new Jerusalem, we, the body of Christ, get a new heaven. What an enormous difference! Compared to the heavens, the earth is a microscopic, minuscule speck of rock revolving around a small sun somewhere in the Milky Way galaxy. We, the body of Christ, will rule and reign with Jesus, administering the universe. Scientists tell us there are billions of galaxies in the universe. Its its expanse is unimaginable, and we are going to be a part of it. Let's shift gears for a moment and look at the common passages used to support the idea that we, the body of Christ, are also the bride of Christ. So what saith the scripture? Remember, the Bible is our source of truth, not the traditions of men or church tradition. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. A couple of points here. Number one, Paul asked believers to bear with him in his folly. So I do not think Paul is espousing church doctrine in this passage. Two, does Paul have the authority to espouse anyone to Jesus Christ as a bride? I think not. Jesus will pick his own bride. He does not need Paul's help. Number three, Paul is using the espousal example as a metaphor of our spiritual relationship to Jesus. He wants to present believers at Corinth as pure and faithful, just as a virgin bride to a husband. Also, the Apostle Paul never uses the word bride referring to the church or bridegroom referring to Jesus. He used the word wife many times but always in reference to family or personal matters. Some try to make the case for us being the bride of Christ from Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Paul is using a simile here, comparing the husband as the head of the wife, as he, Christ, is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. We are not his bride. We are his body. Let's look at some New Testament passages about the bridegroom. Matthew 9, 15. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. Here Jesus refers to himself as the bridegroom. The children are the Jews, Israel, as that is the context and to whom Jesus came to minister. John 3:29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. This is John the Baptist calling Jesus the bridegroom and has the bride. Since the body of Christ did not exist at that time, the only candidate for the bride is Israel. 
John the Baptist is saying the same thing that Jesus said back in Matthew 9:15. Next, let's consider the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25. I've heard many preachers just stumble and fall all over this particular parable, trying to force application to the body of Christ. Let me say right up front, this parable has nothing to do with us, nothing to do with the body of Christ, as you will see. Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps, but took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish virgins said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Notice that the five wise virgins were ready and went in with him, the bridegroom, to the marriage, and the door was shut. So this is a marriage, not a marriage supper, i.e. a reception dinner. This is a marriage, and it's happening here on earth at the second coming of Jesus, the bridegroom. John the Baptist called Jesus the bridegroom. Jesus himself called himself the bridegroom. So let's just take Jesus at his word. So let's summarize this parable quickly. It's a very interesting parable, and uh, I think you'll be surprised at the actual meaning. So the kingdom of heaven is the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on earth. The bridegroom is obviously Jesus Christ. Ten virgins go out to meet the bridegroom. Five wise virgins took extra oil with their lamps, and five foolish virgins took no extra oil. The announcement of the soon coming of the bridegroom comes at night, and the ten virgins arise to meet him. The five foolish virgins had no oil for their lamps. The wise virgins told them to go and buy oil from those that sell. While the foolish virgins were away buying oil, the bridegroom comes, and he and the five wise virgins Enter the marriage chamber, and the door is shut. The foolish virgins return, but are not allowed into the chamber. The bridegroom declares that he does not know them. So here's the crux of the matter. The parable is immediately prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the seven-year tribulation. That is what Matthew chapters 24 and 25, the Olivet Discourse, are about. The events of the seven-year tribulation also known as the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy, Daniel 9.27, and the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. The ten virgins represent Israel, not the body of Christ. The five wise virgins are the believing remnant of Israel described in Revelation chapter 12. 
the five foolish virgins ran out of oil and go to town to buy oil from those that sell. Now here's the big clue to understanding this parable. What must you have to buy and sell during the last half of the seven-year tribulation? That's right, the mark of the beast. Revelation 13:17, And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. The five foolish virgins took the mark of the beast so they could buy oil and were subsequently rejected by the bridegroom. So in summary, the bride is the remnant of Israel. The bridegroom is Jesus at his second coming. The marriage takes place on earth, not in heaven. Israel is the bride of Christ. We, the church, are the body of Christ. The two, the bride and the body, are not synonymous. Common sense tells us that we cannot be both the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. Jesus cannot marry his own body. So we, the church, are the body of Christ. The remnant of Israel, protected by God through the seven-year tribulation and rescued by Jesus at his second coming, is the bride of Christ. Here's another question to ponder. Did God have a previous marriage? Now, I know that sounds like a strange question to ask of God, but consider these passages. Jeremiah 3.14 Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. And I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Here, the Lord is telling the backsliding children of Israel that he is married to them. The Lord is married to Israel. Isaiah 62, 3-5 Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land be any more termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delights in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. Here the land of Israel is named Beulah. The word Beulah means married. The land is married to the nation of Israel, which means Israel will never depart from the land. The land of Israel right now that's occupied by Israel will never, ever see the Jews leave. They will never leave again. So the land is married to the nation of Israel. Also, the Lord calls himself here again the bridegroom rejoicing over his bride, Israel. This harkens back to John the Baptist calling Jesus the bridegroom mentioned earlier. Let's look at Isaiah 54, verse 5. Now, this is a good one. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. This is the clincher. The Lord is the husband of Israel. It would be against God's own law for him to marry another while Israel is still alive. Even though Israel was scattered among the nations for centuries, 
she was never dead. God cannot commit adultery. He must remarry Israel, and that happens at the second coming of Jesus Christ at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Jesus remarries Israel at the marriage of the Lamb on earth at his coming. Israel is the bride of Christ. Well, thank you for joining me, and until next time, God bless you.